Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about some movies. That's right, and today we're going to be talking about Scream 4. Yes, to continue on with our Scream retrospective, we're watching Scream 4 today, and um, overall, not shit. Not as shit as I thought it would be. Well, also, this is the first time you've ever seen Scream 4, which was surprising for me because I thought you've seen it on TV or on DVD. Well, actually, I had seen this movie once before, but I had completely forgotten it. So it was like watching it all over again. Because I I realized I saw this movie probably when it came out Mm -hmm. and then just purged it from my memory for some reason, which I don't really understand because the movie's not actually that bad. No, I really like this movie. I know you're you're impartial to most things, so I'll say that the last act of this movie is is awful, like so bad, but everything it's, up to that's pretty its good. Issues, yeah. Yeah, it's got it's death got issues. Uh but yeah, what about you? Did you see this movie in theaters? I did not. Uh none of my friends were really into horror back then, so I ended up missing this and saw it on TV. Really loved it. And it's, you know, high up there on my list. Mm, it's high up in the booze uh, scream list. Yes. But who in this movie makes the booze hottie playlist of the scream franchise? I don't know if there's anyone that makes the list. Ooh, man. Is this finally where it's broken? Because we even had a hottie in in Scream 3. We did. Mm. With uh, Cotton Weary. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'd have to go Deputy Dewey. Deputy Dewey. Oh, sorry. Sheriff Dewey. Sheriff Dewey. I mean, David Arquette in this movie does look ten years younger. Yeah, it's kind than of he did weird. In Scream Three. It, yeah, it is really weird. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's interesting to kind of see that you know, Deputy Dewey, not not Deputy Sheriff, Sheriff Dewey. Dewey. He's got the cool hat. He's got the glasses. Yeah. I guess he's my hottie pick of this film. Yes, married to Courtney Cox. Yeah, they were still married at this. Oh no. They no, they had divorced at this point, but they they, they were. It's weird. All the movies where they were actually married, they were not married. And yeah. now when they're divorced, now their characters are married. Yeah. You get the, the feeling that, you know, they're married and part of Gail's storyline is she's given up, you know, her her journalist career to be this, you know, housewife in a small town and an author. And be jealous over Deputy Judy. Oh, Judy. Judy's yeah, got Judy. the hots for the sheriff. Can we talk about Judy? Okay, we're we're gonna get to Judy because Judy is super creepy. She's the red herring of this movie. Also, we're jumping into the movie. We're gonna start with characters first. Yes, because this movie wants you to know that it's commentating on the reboot sequel craze that was really big at the time. Because yeah. that that was basically what happened in what the mid two thousands, two thousands tens. Was you would get like reboots and remakes of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. Last House on the Left, I Spit in Your Grave, Friday, like uh, Friday, uh, yeah, Friday, uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Yes. I can do this. Nightmare on Elm Street. You get all these different reboot remakes, retreads of these old movies. And Scream Four's whole meta commentary is about how all those remakes fucking suck. And we still have the original director, the original, some of the original cast members, the original writer. Um, and I think this is the only horror franchise where they've done that, where it's been the same director the entire time and some of the same cast members. It well, hasn't been done well, before. Well, the same director, that's that's absolutely true. Especially for like any major franchise, yeah. because 
Hellraiser, Clive Barker's out after the first two, yeah. I'm, I think. John Carpenter, he only ever directed the first one. Yeah. Even with Nightmare and Elm Street. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Wes Craven did the first one and the very last one of the yeah. original canon. In Friday the 13th, all the directors only directed one of them. Yeah. And it's it's just it's just interesting because Wes Craven does have a style. He's you know he's not super flashy, but he has a style. He yeah. comes with that that old school exploitation cinema sense. And you, we, you don't always need you know the flashbang uh, over the top. It's like no, sometimes a simple story makes the most impact. Yeah, and with Wes Craven, we did have this discussion where you would lovingly say he had a fifty fifty career, right? Half half great movies, half bad movies. And you know, admirable happens to a lot. That's most filmmakers. Yeah, but when I remember him, I don't think of the bad movies. I just think of the good movies. Well, yeah, I understand that. Like you don't you don't remember the missed catches, all right? Yeah. But with Russ Craven, this being his last film, you know, because yeah. he he passed away afterwards. I'm thinking, is this supposed to be? Is this in the camp of one of his masterpieces or one of his duds? Because it does work up until that last half. I mean, I don't classify this as a masterpiece. I classify Scream as a masterpiece, but this, I think it's a really great movie. It's good. And, and it's, it's good. you know, it it's a good way, it's a, a good film to end on. I mean, not that we want him gone, you know, rest in peace. He was taken too soon, but I think this was a good movie to end on. He got to be with his original cast again. We get to go back home to Woodsboro. Mm -hmm. We get to see how on the anniversary of the original murders, there's a resurgence. It's happening again. People are taking the same footsteps, but they're bringing it with a modern twist. Yeah, and I think that's, and again, that goes back to the whole meta commentary mm -hmm. going on in the film, where a lot of what those movies were was, we're going to take the beats from the original mm -hmm. and just update it a little bit, yeah. right? Granted, the updating effect also made all of this ring so hollow. And not this movie in particular. I, my big gripe is everybody's now into the, we're going to stream the movies, man, on, on the net. Every time Nev Campbell says, oh, you're going to put it on the net, I cringe <laughs> so hard you can make diamonds, I swear. I mean, she is Canadian, so maybe that's what the Canadians say, the net. The net, eh? It's a the internet, eh? Maybe. <laughs> but, but yeah, so the, the actual movie, the characters, you know, we have our main trio. We have Sid, we have Gale, we have mm -hmm. Dewey, and then we have the body count. Yeah. Which is everybody who's not the main three because that's how these movies work, right? Pretty much, yeah. And they try their best to make a new Randy character, and you have, like, your three you want to pick from. Yeah. What is it? You have Bobby, you have Charlie, and you have Kirby? Kirby, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, why do you have to kill fucking Randy? That was a that was a decision they have been regretting since Scream 2. Oh, absolutely. They wanted to bring him back in Scream 3, and it's just like, I don't see how I could bring him back when he was stabbed so many times and when, found when you, dead. You made a big point of him being gone. Yeah. Yeah. But then you got Scream, you know, Scream 4. You know, we have our, our Sid surrogate, played by her cousin Jill, that didn't appear in any of these other movies, and I find complete bullshit. Sid does not have any fucking answer cousins. Fuck that. That's a terrible line. I mean, I thought it was a little weird and how it never came up, but yeah, she's got family in this movie. Um, a deleted scene, actually, from this movie is that Sydney's dad has passed away, and that's why she's come back to town with her book tour. So I thought 
you know, really they could have kind of played at that angle where maybe they did a funeral scene and this aunt shows up and it's like, well, I've never known that I had an aunt. And yep, you could, everybody's got secrets. Yeah. And so that would kind of play more into the storyline of Jill, who should we just, you know, spoil our killers right off the bat? Um, I mean, the killers don't make any fucking sense. So yeah, we might as well. Yeah. So we have her cousin, Jill, who is killer number one. Mm. And we have Charlie, who we'll later talk about, who's killer number two. And this is the movie where they actually go back to two killers. It's not like Scream 3, where there's only one killer. It's like Scream 2, but the, the, here's the part of the movie that annoys the shit out of me, is their motives are garbage. Their yeah. motives are complete garbage. and they, the, also, they're, they're juvenile. Well, it's not even juvenile, no. The, the, it's nonsensical. Well, no, J- it, it's Jill's, very... Jill's motive is completely nonsensical. What it's, what is it's, her reasoning? It's juvenile when you hear her saying, "I'm killing all these people so that I could be the sole survivor because I need followers." In a, a day and age where we live off of, yes, I need more followers to get my page to she, explode. She wanted the fame of the survivor girl, yes. right? But it's like that is such a non a non reason. Like the fuck, lady. Especially when also, we her have plan is shit. Especially when we have Sydney in the beginning of the movie talking about her book because Sydney's an author now and she's back in Woodsboro for a book tour and she's talking about how yes, she's been called the victim, the survivor girl, and she's kind of showing how I choose not to be labeled as this. I'm living my life as a regular person versus oh poor thing, you know, you've been through the ringer. It's like no, I want to be normal, and Jill's very much. No, I want the spotlight and people, oh, poor thing, that's amazing, tell me your life story. I guess, it's just, no, no, I'm not gonna say I guess, no, it's still a bad reason. I think Jill's entire motivation is to- is horrible. Yeah, I mean. Just, like, that's why the third act of this doesn't work for me. That and, you know, Jill's never been one of my favorite uh, killers. She's, she's not because, it, okay, like, there's also the big uh julia roberts shaved elephant in the room named emma roberts yeah she's who's, who's the daughter of eric roberts julia julia roberts brother yeah, yeah it's the one thing where it's like emma roberts i don't want to you know besmirch her career i'm sure she's fine in a lot of movies but in this she's not she's not putting in a quality work right no i mean it was a twist the first time i saw it because i was just like oh she's the killer and then it was kind of like Oh, we actually have our first female ghost face, but it was kind of like, okay. Like, all right. I mean, she really didn't strike me as like, oh, wow, this is. I take it back. She is not the first female ghost face. Mrs. Loomis is. Yeah. And Scream 2. Exactly. So it's like. But she also doesn't <laughs> sell it very well. No. Like, it, it all comes out, out as not very convincing and not very. Okay, we're gonna. That's just going through the whole like, like the climax of the movie is gonna be a whole section of this conversation. Yeah, it's we gonna be a big part of the movie. Probably build up everything that comes before it. Yeah. So, how does this movie begin? Let's see. So the movie starts with two false starts. Yes, which, no lie, I I liked I liked those because they were so meta mm-hmm. that they. They went from being, oh, that's good, to that's just funny. It's just a comedy at that yeah. point. And I think that's kind of the point they were getting at is, at a certain point, horror films stop being scary. They start being funny. 
That and being a Wes Craven film, he always has a bit of comedy in his movies. Even with like Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. it still has its comedic beats in it. So it's kind of nice to, it's not going to be somber or, you know, scary. No, I mean, they actually make you laugh. And we get the two false starts at the beginning, which takes us into the first two murders of the film. Yeah. Which is even funny when the blonde girl, you know, picks up the phone and he's like, you know, well, you're the the blonde, you know, girl with the big tits that's going to run up the stairs. The stupid blonde girl. And she's like, I have a 4.0 and my, you know, IQ is this. And I was like, okay, all right, we're getting progressive. We're switching it up. It's not, you and know. And she's still going to fucking die. And she's she, still the dumb blonde with big tits is running up the stairs. She dies. She gets crushed by the garage door. We get our homage to Tatum. Which I did do some research, so with Tatum, everyone knows that the garage door would not have gone up with the weight of her body. Yeah, so it crushes her, and it's a whole yeah. deal. But with these new garage doors, that you know, the one that crushes her spine, that's actually factual that the door will kind of malfunction if something gets in the way. So if he hadn't have pulled her, it would have just crushed it, kept crushing her back. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I like that we kind of kept the realism in the movie, but again, I feel like you needed to watch the deleted scenes. Because they go back in the house and they show kind of what Ghostface has done with them. And it's really brutal. I mean, I mean, I did see the because ver- I watched the version that's on Showtime, I think. And, mm-hmm. the, and it, I did see like the gory aftermath and all that stuff. But where they have her like from the hanging from the fan and in the living room or not the living room. Oh, but- that one. That one I didn't see. I saw like. I guess it was uh, Olivia later. Like, I didn't see their aftermath. I just saw... That one was, like, a production still. Yeah, I felt like they needed to show that scene. Not for the gore, but they have, um... In Blood, what's your favorite scary movie written across, like, the the counters in the kitchen? So it's like, I felt like that was kind of opening up with... These are reboot killings. Yeah, I mean... Again, this, this whole franchise is just extra meta. And it... This opening is extra meta. That it it's also just one of those things where it's surprising to see a Scream Four ten years after the last one. I this series was truly fucking dead, and this is it is interesting to see it have so many homages and so many moments in this opening sequence. To okay, yeah, the stab franchise mm-hmm. that the internal monologue of the the film commentating on itself, and also I wanted to see Stab Five. They said there's time travel in that. What the fuck is it? Is the Stab series just Hellraiser? Does it get to Hellraiser's levels of ridiculous? No, I think the Stab seek, uh, trilogy, or not even trilogy, what is it? It's, it's just, seven films. It's, it's seven, seven films, I counted. Okay, so the Stab franchise, I think is supposed to kind of mirror the Nightmare franchise. And there's a joke in there when they're talking about the Stab movie, the time travel one. That's actually kicking it back to one of the Nightmare movies where Wes Craven wanted to add time travel into the movie and then the studio was like, you're not fucking doing that. That's not going to happen. So that was like his own little private joke of, you know, well, I had this idea and it didn't work. So we're going to put it in this movie and have that movie be like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then Dean's just, I'm dying to see it. I want to see this. I want to see a a, a, a time traveling stabber. That sounds, that sounds fascinating. But yeah, that's one of those (laughs) things with, um, with the, the stab franchise, because it's in its own internal monologue about, you know, long running slasher franchise that just become ridiculous. But the the kill itself that you mentioned, you know, oh, it's crushing her. It's like, oh man, it's it's throwback to to Tatum, and yeah. it's like, oh, it's already you know doing the throwbacks to everything else. But um, I have a question about the layout of this house. So she runs up a flight of stairs. Yeah, I don't get that either. 
and she opens a, a, a hall door that leads into a long, unfinished, mm-hmm. uh, unfinished hallway of like boards, exposed wiring, and that a leads into like, a garage. Yeah, and mm. what she's running into looks like it ex- looks like a almost like a, an a unfinished like barn. Barn. Mm. And then she runs down another flight of stairs, or gets thrown down another yeah. flight of stairs into a drop down garage, and I'm like. And they're in a house. They're yeah. not in an apartment building. They're in, like, somebody's home. And I'm like, what layout of this is... What kind of house is this? I mean, unless it was going to be, like, some office that's part of the garage or <laughs> some band space. I don't know. It just didn't make any sense because... the house looks fucking huge at that... Because it looked like a whole floor of the house was just not there. Well, that and from what we see of the house, the house is pretty much complete it's furnished and then we just have this space that's not but the garage is furnished yeah the garage is like more or less Mm -hmm. done i mean the stairs look look hobbled together i i am now i'm wondering if they um could only afford to film on like one house and then they were like well it doesn't have the stairs in the right place it doesn't have the Mm -hmm. garage in the right place so we'll just throw stairs in the corner and hide the fact that there's there's no second story of this and we'll just shoot it there it could be but it it's really weird when you try and follow the layout of this opening kill yeah it's kind of confusing to figure out how this house is laid out and why she would go that way what else is super confusing is these fucking killers because god damn it need this killer is like six foot five. Neither of our killers are over yeah. five foot eight. Yeah, that was a, an issue for me. I'm like, they're fairly short. Also, they're not. I could, I could not see a universe where Sid could not one v one Charlie. Oh, definitely. Right. Well, I mean, there's uh, that scene when uh, Jill's friend is being murdered across the street from her house. Yeah, uh, Olivia. I think. Olivia and. She runs across and she's fighting with Ghostface on the stairs in the bloopers because, you know, she picks up the picture off the wall and smacks uh, Ghostface in the face. In the bloopers, she does that with, like, the breakaway poster. I mean, she rocks this guy, who's ever the stunt actor, and they had to call it cuts and she's just touching the mask. Oh my god, are you okay? So when you see it in the movie, it's like, yeah, she's giving it, you know, full swing. And I'm like... I give credit to these stunt performers because yes. some of them take a fucking beating for these, yeah. like, slasher flicks. I know, like, Kane Hodder, who played Jason and I think, 6, 7, and 8. Like, that that guy was lit on fire. He yeah. almost, like, like killed himself falling like falling through a flight mm-hmm. of stairs. And, like, these guys go through a shit ton of Not just horror. You know, in, all, oh, genre, all, in like, all genres. I mean, these people are true heroes because man they do some crazy things and you know god willing they're able to get up after it when they do it's amazing it's like are you invincible but character wise she gives ghostface an ass kicking and it's just like how is charlie or jill gonna survive this oh god yes i mean let let, let's move on because again that's gonna be being the long talk when we get to that, (laughs) that climax are you okay do you need some tea Everybody wish her well. She doesn't have the Rona. She just has a cough. But moving on, we have after this Dewey and Gale showing up, or we have we have Dewey's reveal that he's the sheriff now and he's gonna yes. investigate. And Sid shows up into town, and it's like, oh man, things are happening now. And they plant the weapon in in Sydney's car at her book signing. And Gale is at home trying to write her new book because she doesn't write true crime anymore. She's writing fiction. Also, Gale. 
seems like a horrible writer because she's like, ah, oh, man. Also, these murders are Gail's godsend because yeah. she's like, you know, I can't really write fiction. I can only really do true crime, but none of the true crime around me I can actually write about unless I'm directly involved in it. Maybe I could convince some teenagers to go on a killing spree so I can write about it. Also, I'm thinking, in Scream Thrive, does she, you know, move from former true crime writer to fiction to now true crime podcaster? Oh, God. I can see it happening. She's got plenty of stories to talk about. Gail would be that level of attention whore. I say being a podcaster myself, (laughs) absolute attention whore over here. You can follow us at the Film Club Podcast on Instagram attention whores but yeah it's just interesting to see where all the characters are at now yeah right because we have sydney she's moved on from the trauma of screen three and the screen three ending i think is actually a really good tie up to to her character arc mm-hmm. even though screen three as a movie is is inherently a not a very good movie yeah it, but it's, it's nice to see her finally feel some sense of peace yeah and then we have gail who you know fuck gail in general but she gets her comeuppance where it's like okay now she can't profit off of the the pain of others and then it's like okay dewey playing the nice guy he you know he got the girl and he becomes sheriff so he get he finally gets appreciated yeah and you know it, it is nice to see where they're at now and now the killer traps them quote unquote mm-hmm. in the town none of them can leave plants the weapon in Sid's car she can't leave town even though everybody always already knows they all point out that oh this is a way to get to sydney right but you're a suspect we can't let you leave and i'm like guys this has happened three fucking times yeah you know she's not a suspect you know she's gonna and they know get stabbed and they know that she's not a suspect it's just kind of like we've got to figure this out together and they put fucking Beavis and Butthead as the fucking cops to to watch her. Yeah. Oh Jesus Christ! I got I got some issues with these with these fucking guys because they are the they're the worst cops on the planet, and they comment about how they're gonna die. And one of them, their last words are "fuck Bruce Willis." No, sir. Fuck you. I knew you would have uh, some distaste towards that. It's it's one of those things where. Like uh, the like the whole cops talking about in a super meta way of how they're gonna die because yeah. look look the unless, cops always die in the movies the cops always die in the movie unless you're named Bruce Willis or it's like look unless you're the the handsome one your partner's butt ugly because your dead your ugly partner's gonna die before you or it's like hey unless you're you know in a relationship with the main girl you're gonna die mm-hmm. and blah, blah blah all these like super meta technical things yeah. and then they both just get stabbed and, and it's over it's one At- quip and then they die and it's not like even you know two different scenes. It's the same scene. Yeah, and that's my problem with a lot of this movie is some of the kills in this are like, oh, you know, oh, it's it's like um, really visceral and it really gets to you. And it's like, oh, that's really horrifying. Or it's like the um, the publicist kill where it's the yeah. whole build up and she's mm-hmm. in the car and Ghostface is stalking her and she's all this other stuff. And then she runs away, and you're like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? And she gets stabbed in the stomach, and it's over. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, you're, like you're teasing me, people. Like, like you're, you're edging me for five hours, and it's just, oh, it's over. You, you ruined my time. Are you okay over there? Sorry, I have issues with some things. But we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. So, after we introduce where the characters we like are, now we meet all the characters we don't like. And yeah. also Kirby, because I like Kirby. Kirby's fun. I mean, Dean wants to marry Kirby. <laughs> 
No, but if Hayden Panettiere uh, went to my high school, yeah, I would make I would call shot. All right, you, you would have been Mr. Panettiere. Uh, Panettiere. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So would you. Don't even act like you wouldn't. All right. I mean, she's cool, but I don't look. If I don't you went to I'd... high school with Skeet Ulrich, you'd like you'd be Mrs. Ulrich. Let's be real. More or less. Oh, of course, of course. But there we meet our our body count for this movie, right? Um, Jill and her yeah. friends. Yeah. They have three separate Randy surrogates, like we said before. Yeah. We have Bobby and Charlie, which are the weird, um, nerdy film club guys who one of them is live streaming his life? Pretty much. It's called Hall Pass, I think, his his channel or whatever, so he just films everything and you know, Day of the Murders you know, what's your favorite scary movie? And it's just like, shut up, you know, two people have been killed, I don't care. And, uh, Charlie, creepy. Yeah, Charlie's whole bit is that he's in love with Kirby, and he's yeah. like, kind of, he's just a socially awkward nerd guy mm-hmm. that gives the rules in yeah. the movie, right? He's set up as the Randy surrogate, and yeah. then Kirby is like, the Kirby to me felt the most like a normal Scream character. Like I could see her existing in Screams like one and two as a character. That is, she also felt like the most realistic character in the movie. Where it's like, yeah, you know, she could possibly pass for like a popular kid at school, but she also has this love for horror, so she's got like layers to her. Yeah, I mean, it's also a thing. I'm a huge fan of Hayden Panettiere from like Heroes, and I saw and I. Um, played Until Dawn, and she's yeah. one of the actors in that. And, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of her work, and she's a good actress. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to dismirch the the actors who are playing Bobby and uh, Charlie, but, mm-hmm. you know, they're turning in performances that are, you know, serviceable. They're not as bad as Emma Roberts, I'll say that. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, it's just everybody else. But none of them really rub me the wrong way, like Deputy Judy. <laughs> yeah, Deputy Judy is a character, all right. Yeah. Yeah, is Deputy Judy crazy? She gives off the crazy eyes sometimes, and then she's always, I got lemon squares, and it's just like, no, that's okay, I don't know what you did to those lemon squares. Oh, when she meets Sid for the first time? Yeah, and even oh with God. even with Dewey. Oh, but why yeah. is Why is she standing in the dark hallway and emerges from the shadows after yeah, Sid is done that's... having a heart-to-heart with Jill over her, like, like shitty boyfriend Trevor? Yeah, that's one of those scenes where it just kind of catches you off guard because you're like, oh my god, it could be Ghostface. And it's like, Deputy Judy? And then oh, she's yeah. like, she's like, do you remember me from high school? And she's listening to all these things and Sydney's just like, god, no, I don't remember you and I'm so sorry, but you just scared the shit out of me. Sydney's like, please don't kill me. Yeah. I've had this situation happen to me far too often. Yes. It's nothing new to me, but I don't want it to happen again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah, so we get introduced to our, our full cast of, of characters and body count. And we also meet uh, Jill's ex-boyfriend. Trevor. Trevor, who... who... You, no, you you go ahead, because I have a thing about Trevor. You, ha- you have a thing about Trevor? Yes. Which, you know, early on, he's kind of in the, um, the Billy character. You know, he comes through Jill's window. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always popping up, you know after some of these attacks and it's like oh no it's happening again you know we have young sydney that's supposed to be jill and we've got billy coming through the window and even i i loved uh nev campbell's performance when you know she meets trevor for the first time and he leaves back out the window and just kind of that 
deja vu. Deja vu, but also fear, you know, like history's repeating itself and it's going to happen to my younger cousin. And that's like the the meta theme of the movie, right? It's the reboot and it's going to hit all the same beats as these things do. Is this the passing of the torch? Yeah, and it's Sydney. And the whole meta commentary is Sydney's watching basically the first Scream film play Mm -hmm. out in, in front of her. And she's like, okay, well, I'm watching, I'm watching the remake. Yeah. Basically. And she's like, well, and here's my thing about Trevor. Trevor is not nearly as interesting a red herring as, um, as Derek was in Scream 2. Yeah. Because at least, like, to me, he, he is at the level of red herring that Billy was, which is, he was not a red herring, he was just red flag. Yeah. And I'm like, eh, I don't. Also, I don't really care that much about Trevor, because I don't know anything about him other than he's obsessed with Jill. Yeah. And I mean, it's not, not really, not really there for me. No, and I mean, they, he is the red herring of the movie where you're supposed to think, oh, he's one of the killers, he's always disappearing, oh, he's, he has these messages on his phone to be here, he's showing up at things, and ultimately, he's not. Yeah. He's just an innocent bystander, and it's just like... The way he dies is very brutal. Yeah. It's, it's rough. Yeah. Gentlemen will cross their legs at the side of it. Yeah. It's but, bad. <laughs> but yeah, everybody. Sorry we're just, like, pumping through all these, like, character introductions and these things are happening. People are dying. Because yeah. the pace of this movie is so fast. Yeah, it's two days. Yeah, it well, yeah, the interior time is two days, and I think the film itself runs for, what, hour 40? I think so. I don't think we quite quite break two hours in this movie. Yeah, and it's it's just really weird because, you know, the first... Actually, all of the Scream films are generally, like, two-ish hours long. Mm-hmm. Generally, they have a more slow, methodical pace, or they're, they're dealing a lot more with, like, okay, we're going to develop all... After the first main kill to whet your appetites, you fucking gorehounds, we're going to spend... Yeah. About an, you know, about an hour just developing our characters before we have another good kill, and then we're just going to ramp it up from there. This one just, you know, picks up and takes off and doesn't stop till the end. Exactly. And we get introduced to all these characters, all this internal conflict, and it's like, okay, alright, fuck it, I'm I'm sitting on the, on the roller coaster, let's take the ride. A body count of 14, which it's means... The most of all of them, right? Yeah, I think so. So it's like, we gotta watch, you know, 14 different deaths, unique deaths. I mean, the first time we get, um... Well, some the, of them are not that unique, let's be real here. But I'm talking, like, you know, within the Scream franchise. I think this is, like, the first one where we get, you know, a knife in the head. Yeah. And that one was just no, like... No, 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 Scream 2, he got a knife in the head at the bathroom. That was the opening with Omar Epps. Oh, in the ear, yeah. Yeah. But this one in the forehead. The, the ear, forehead, it's still in the head. It's still in the head, but the forehead one was actually Wes Craven's idea. He had seen um, like this medical documentary that someone got impaled in their forehead, and the guy was able to get up and drive himself to the hospital. So he kind of wanted to show that you could still technically... <laughs> I thought that was so much bullshit. I ain't even gonna lie. I mean, I'm like, okay. I'm like, he makes it a couple of steps, crawls, and then he's gone. No, no, no. He makes it a couple of steps, says, fuck Bruce Willis, and then he dies. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This movie is is such a parody of of itself. It's kind of trying to do the same thing Scream 3 did, except this one's kind of succeeding in that it's really self-aware of what what fucking movie it is. Yeah. Scream 3 didn't know that it was supposed to be a self-parody and this one is like no 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 we are we are self-parody we're gonna tell you right off the bat that we are yeah because the um 
Alison Brie that plays Rebecca Walters, the publicist. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try, everybody, I'm going to try to stop shifting in my chair and squeaking. Thank you. No promises. And, yeah, Alison Brie, she plays Rebecca Walters, the publicist, and she is the Gail Weathers surrogate for this movie. She's and, the Gail Weathers fangirl. Yes. She. Oh, you were my 90s. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And then Gail's Christ. like, you know, I'm going to punch you in the throat if you say, like, two more words. It happens. I mean, you know, Courtney Cox, oh, she was the 90s, but... But we have this this woman who, there's murders going on, and she's just like, awesome, this is our second book, and, you know, let's see what else happens in this boring-ass town, and it's like... Literally Gail Weathers from like, the first movie. It's like, dude, you know, calm down, Literally, people are dying. Stop that. Literally Gail Weathers from the first movie. You don't even try and, like, do that shit. I like Gail Weathers a lot more. Well, that and that's the point, you know, that's the whole meta theme of this yeah. is... Oh, they're just like the characters you knew before, mm-hmm. except they're either less likable, less charming, or less developed. Yeah. That's why Trevor is like, he's like Billy, except less, less of a, less developed. Yeah. Or Jill, she's like Sydney, except less of a, less charisma, less of a character. Or Gail, she's, or yeah, Rebecca, she's like Gail, except yeah. less charming. Yeah. And granted, you know, Alison Brie's actually a very good actress. I've seen her in community. She's yeah. very fun. But her death is that build up it's in the car it's the cat and mouse game and then yeah. she just gets stabbed and i'm like well that's kind of a wasted character i well, figured we'd get to the climax at least well that and even you know watching horror movies and you think if i were in this situation what would i do and i felt that her death leading up to her death was very re- realistic where she's like yeah you know i'm in the hospital with her you know let me get my my pen and pad and she goes to you know get her keys and the horn goes off and it's just like these little things that happen in life that you don't plan for it's in your really, head. It's really simple, subtle things that build up. Yeah. yeah. And th- I think that's my, my thing with this. You know, there's a lot of kills in this movie that are really simple, subtle, really well set up. Best kill in this movie is Olivia's. You know, they're on the phone. They're watching yeah. Shaun of the Dead. The killer's on there. It's like, how, you know, it's like, what's your favorite scary movie? She's like, I don't have to talk to you. It's like, well, you can talk to me about the movie you're watching. What movie am I watching, mm-hmm. asshole? Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, that that's and my absolute... Maybe my absolute favorite scene of the movie. Oh, it's the it's the best kill. Because, you easily. know, it's just, it takes you kind of back to the first movie where uh, Casey Becker is making popcorn at home, gets the phone call, and she's kind of having this, you know, back and forth with this stranger on the phone. And everything shifts when he said, well, I want to know who I'm watching. And it's just like, that kind of like, gives you the goosebumps kind of vibe of, oh shit, this is something bad. And yeah. we get that with, you know, you're watching Shaun of the Dead, and I'm in the closet. And then she opens the closet door. I love that when he responds, I didn't say your closet. And it's the it's switch like, reverse, oh. and you can see Olivia being killed across the street through the window. And, and it is so brutal. It is. Like, honestly, it's it's the best kill, and not even because, like, the gore brutality, but because, okay, we have the, we have the setup. The killer's on the phone, mm-hmm. and he's watching you, right? And then he tells you, oh, I'm in the closet. And then it's like, oh, it's that slow build. I was like, is he actually in the closet? Is he lying? Mm-hmm. You open up, oh, it's the evil. Oh, thank God, he's not actually in there. Oh, he's probably watching him in the trees. And this was just like the, the flyby. And then I the mean, twist of not your closet kills the friend. Big Back into the surprise, back to the jump scare. And then it just ramps into this big, intense fight. And it's it that is a really well-crafted scare that the rest of the movie doesn't come close to. Well, like you were saying with the closet where she opens the door and it's just the clothes, but because the clothes are lit in a dark way, that could be Ghostface. Yeah, it's, it, it's that moment of like, oh wait, 
Oh, okay, it's not. Yeah, it's, which, it's, the, it's the thing where you're not sure right away. Which I loved in the opener when we get the false openings. The very first one, when she finally flings the door open, and you think he's out there, but it's just the tree. It's like, I love the imagery where they're tricking you into thinking, you know, this shape could be Ghostface, but it's not. It's just random everyday things that you see. Yeah. But because, you know, it's nighttime or you're scared, everything looks like what it shouldn't be. Mm. And I, yeah, I mean, I love that scene. I love that he knows that they're watching Shaun of the Dead because the friend puts the phone on speaker. It's it's this whole it's this whole thing. It's a really well crafted scene. I yeah. really really like it. And it also brings me back to the fact that there's no fucking way Charlie could have killed Olivia. Yeah, I because, mean, like, unless it, they're just going based off of you know years of him being bullied and just the anger, and he's just you know it suddenly becomes the Hulk. I guess because I. I actually know the the original ending to this, which is why the killer doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I, uh-huh, I, but we're going to get to that. Yes, we, I, I will let you ramble about that. Yes. Um, but right right after we have Olivia's death, then we have Gail, you know, she's on the scene, right? Yeah. She Gail Weathers, attorney at large or detective at large. And she gets to the, the film club scene where they lay out the rules of the reboot. Well, we actually have to scale back because after this first, you know, very graphic death she's telling Dewey you got to give me the information you know we solve these together and Dewey's like I'm a sheriff now you know I can't release this information to you anymore and she's like all right whatever I'm going rogue so we're getting rogue Gail Weathers that is just like yeah if I have to bribe some high school kids eat my ass these fucking cringe lords (sighs) my god when when I hear Gail Weathers saying I'm going rogue and I'm like fuck off Fuck off, alright? Just just be like, whatever you say, de- whatever you say, Sheriff, and just walk away. That's way better than mm-hmm. like, alright, Dewey, then I guess I'm going rogue on your ass. I'm like, fuck off, my god, the cringe stabs my you soul. You love cringe, what are you oh, talking about? I, I, I've never watched The Office, sir, but please. <laughs> oh, please, you've watched the entire thing. <laughs> and so, yeah, but you watch it way more than me. But, besides the point, so, Gail, attor- you know, Gail Detective at Large. And she goes to the film club, whatever meeting, which is basically a horror club. Like they only cinema talk about horror club. Cinema club, yes. And they only talk about horror flicks, as far as I can tell. And it only exists so we can have Charlie and Bobby do the Randy thing and explain the rules yes. of the reboot, where they're like, "Well, if you're original, then anybody can die." You know, there's more brutal, more gory, and yeah. it's like, yeah, we we've seen this built up at this point. The kills are a lot gorier. There's a lot more blood. There's um. There's definitely a thing where it's like, well, anybody can get attacked, and yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of bullshit. It's meta, so things from the past can come out. Yeah, and it's like, okay, whatever. You know, you only this scene only exists because you don't have Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, because we never go back to this. No, and it only exists to set up that they're having a stab party. No, a stabathon. A stabathon where they're gonna marathon all the seven stab movies in a to, barn. In a barn to celebrate, and. We go to the party. Gail is there to to set up less subtle security cams than she had in the nineties. I mean, it it's mid two thousand, so yeah, the cameras are still the ones she had in the nineties movie was more subtle. <laughs> you mean the one in her purse? <laughs> yeah, the one in her purse in Scream Three was mm-hmm. more subtle. Than this mm-hmm. Jesus Christ! But I, I'm gonna bring this up. So there's seven stab movies in the canon of this of yes. this series, right? And they're all in the barn. They're they're watching them, right? 
they're going to turn them on. They're all going to have a bunch of drinks. It's going to be a party. And I'm like, okay, like, I've seen, like, people in um, Texarkana, Texas, they, that's where the town that dreaded sundown, that's yeah. where it's, like, the murders are based off of the Phantom Killer and all that stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no, they do that, like, once a year, they'll watch the movie, and, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I'm like, okay, watching this, and then it says, Stab One, directed by Robert Rodriguez. I'm like, no, what the fuck? And, yes, it was. Did he actually Those, do that for Scream 2? All the Stab movies that are portrayed in the franchise have been filmed by Robert Rodriguez. Fucking really? Yes. That's amazing. That's why it's like, you know, they drop that Easter egg, but it's like, no, in all reality, he did direct and film those I scenes. would, I would love to see, like, I would love to see Stab 1 actually directed by Robert Rodriguez. I would love to see that. Just, like, this really just, like, self-aware, like, parody of screen that's just done straight. Like, I would love to see that. <laughs> also, how are there the- 70s? Because they look so fucking bad. But well, that's the point. <laughs> it's like a lot of, you know, horror movies that just keep going and going and going. They just keep getting worse. But if you love the franchise, you yeah. go with it. But you these, see where the roller coaster takes you. But these, it's like, it's, you know, almost like a parody. It's like, it has to be horrible. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I can see Robert Rodriguez coming in and be like, fuck yeah, you know, I'll direct something that looks, you know. Looks like this. Like, yeah. Fuck it, I'll do just it. Just for kicks? Yeah, I'll do it. And it's... <laughs> It's kind. It's kind of great, and it's. I'm sorry. I'm just so obsessed with like the in-universe stab series because they sound fucking ridiculous. Well, that and, and you're also them. mind blown that it was Robert Rodriguez. I am mind blown. I didn't think it was actually Robert Rodriguez. It was. But something else that's like really that this in particular made me realize about this movie was the footage mm-hmm. that's used. You know, because the same as Scream Two, and it's you know they're yeah. using it again, and I'm like, wait a minute. That's like that film grain, that old quality, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And then watching the regular movie, I'm like, it just dawned on me in that moment. This film looks way more modern than the other Scream films because, yeah, it's done you know in 2011 or whatever. But I'm like, it also doesn't have that feel of like a vis- 90s movie. A 90s movie it doesn't have that. It doesn't have that visual yeah, aesthetic. It, it's a lot it's clean. Film. Yeah, it's a lot clean because it's digital now. It doesn't have that kind of like, ooh, this is a 90s or early 2000s movie. It's like, no, you know, we're in the future now where our movies are a lot crisper, HD, 4K. Which I, I think doesn't work that, doesn't work to the movie's aesthetic benefit in in this movie in particular because I think... Because the first three screen films have an aesthetic similarity because they're all done. Obviously, they're not on, like, film. They're all done with the same hand of Wes Craven. Yeah. And they're all, for the most part, influenced by one one way or the other by Kevin Williamson. But this one just feels, like, so visually and tonally different than the other ones. Because this one, I think, takes itself the least seriously. Yeah. And it's the one that also looks the most, like, clean, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Granted, like, Scream 3 looked like it was a made-for-TV movie, but this one also feels like, almost like one of those, like, um, direct-to-streaming movies. You know what I mean? Like I, could- I understand what you're saying, but it's like, I don't feel that way. I mean, I think we still get that kind of grit and grain when we see, like, the camera footage. Oh, God, when he's looking through the stream. Yeah. No, no not that. Um, Gail's camera footage, where Dewey finally gets to her when she's at the barn, and he's looking through the window in her car and he's seeing the camera that she's holding. Yeah. And, it's and 
it's, you know, ghost face, you know, kind of creeping up behind her. It's like... Which, again, another homage to the first one. Yeah. They're at the party, and it's Gail with her camera, and mm-hmm. we're, I'm like, oh my god, Gail gets stabbed? Are we finally gonna lose a main character? And of course not! Well, he I mean, fucking teases! Well, this is actually the first movie that she's stabbed in. She doesn't get stabbed at one through three. Yeah, well, I understand that. So that's why I was, I was kind like, of like, ooh, is she gonna be the first of, like, our, you know, original cast to go? Because they've been... Pretty you know, much untouchable. Exactly. Like Dewey was raised from the dead in the second movie. Well, yeah. I mean, he was raised from the dead in the first movie because they were originally going to kill him off when he gets stabbed in the back. But people, you know, really liked him in the test audiences that they were kind of like, you know, what, we're going to keep Dewey and bring him back for the mm-hmm. second movie. It's, you know, like I could I could agree with that. You know, Dewey's a likable character, but. They they laid out those rules and they're not and they're not sticking to it because it's like oh anybody from the original can die you know everybody's mm-hmm. fair game yeah and it's the thing with like Scream three where they said the same thing yeah oh it's the rules of the trilogy anybody can die including yeah. you Sid and none of the three main cast are even touched no and in this one oh wait Gail gets stabbed or is that gonna be the thing if Gail died at the party when Ghostface attacked her. I think that would have given a lot more weight to the ending of the movie mm-hmm. because, okay, Gail doesn't die. We're going to get to the climax later where Sydney gets stabbed, but you know, Sydney's not going to die now. No. If Gail ain't going to die, Sydney ain't going to fucking die. Yeah. Let's be honest. But uh, neither here nor there. Gail gets stabbed. The kids freak out. They all run away. They go to Kirby's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the characters that matter go to Kirby's yes. house. And they're there. They're hanging out. Charlie's about to get some of that Hayden Penetera ass. And uh, and Trevor shows up. Yeah. Fucking Trevor. Cockblock no, extraordinaire. No one wants that guy around. No one wants that guy around. Always no just way. popping up and showing up, you know. Unannounced. Prom- all right on time. Yeah. Always in a perfect position to be a suspect. Yeah. Fucking red herring. Fuck Trevor on every level. I wrote that on my on my notes, by the way. Trevor sucks on every level. Yeah, he actually <laughs> did. Yeah. And... <laughs> when, they're, when they're there and they're watching the movies, because Bobby wants to finish the Scream franchise, or the the Stab movies. Yeah. Where are their parents? Well, the Scream movie. There's never any parents in the scene. No, 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 no. Like, we got, we see Billy's parents, we see, Billy's parents play a major role. They're the killers in the second one. We see Sydney's parents. But think about it. In the first movie. We see Casey Becker's parents. She, they show up, like, right, right after Afterwards, the Afterwards, Yes. Where, but, where are but Sydney's parents? But Sydney's dad travels for work. Stu's parents are on this extended vacation. I'm convinced Stu killed them. All right. I No, I'm convinced ba- uh, Billy killed them and shoved them under the floorboards. All right. He could have. It was crazy enough. Uh, but where, where but it's a screen movie. There's there's never parents. Jill's mom is in this. Like, what? Uh, some, something Roberts. Rachel? Rachel, is that her name? Uh, I think her name yeah, was Rachel. It's like Aunt Rachel or something like that. And she's in this movie, and she dies right away. What the fuck is this? I mean, not, like, right, right away, but... I mean, it's some bullshit. She gets stabbed through a mail slot. Yeah, that one was kind of, like, oof. But, yeah, so we're we're getting into this, this, like... Kate. Aunt Kate. Aunt Kate. Kate Roberts. We get into this, into this, into this whole thing. Kate dies. You know, Sydney's at... Kirby's house, or Sydney runs to Kirby's house after Kate gets murdered. Yeah, she goes upstairs to, you know, check on Jill, and she sees that Jill, you know, left open her laptop, which showing, you know, her 
her texting thing with Trevor, and she's like, "Oh, Trevor's the killer. It's just like Bobby or Bobby. Billy." I'm it's like, just "Who's like Billy?" No, it, it's a text, you know, chat between her and Kirby, where she's like, "Hey, you know, I'm on my way to your house, so you're saying, okay, she's taken off. She's not been in the house. That's how we have, you know, the kills going on. They're at the house, which Jill kills her mom, which is fucked." Yeah. It's just like, damn, Jill, you like your own mom, but we get more information why in the climax, which, which again, I know that Dean's probably going to act up, or not act up, act out. Oh, the, look, the climax sucks. Be- because it leads up to really another, like, really good moment because, you know, killer's loose in the house. Yes. Right? Sydney runs, runs up and she's trying to to save Jill from the from the killers that's roaming around the house, and then Sydney and uh, and or and Kirby's now locked in the in like the greenhouse or whatever the fuck, and she can see Charlie's tied up outside and the killers on the phone, which is a, a kickback to Steve Orth, who's tied up in the backyard, and it's if you don't answer these questions right, I'm going to kill him. And this is where Kirby, you know, flexes the the themes of the movie, man, because mm-hmm. the final question is. What classic film remake? What classic film? Or okay, okay. What was the remake of the groundbreaking horror film? And Kirby just lists Listen. off like thirty fucking movies, just pounds through all of them. And I mean, it's like it becomes baffling because, boo, we were there. Yeah. What like these movies were coming out? We were aware. We were watching in the theaters. Were you aware of how many? It's tons. Reboots and remakes were happening. I mean, I thought you were going to be more impressed by one of the questions being Peeping Tom. Yeah. Which was an episode that you'd wanted to do, I think, our first year that we did the podcast. Yeah, because it's, it's, that and Psycho are like the two back-to-back slasher film, Mm -hmm. you know. But Peeping Tom came out, I think. It's the same year, 1960, but it came out earlier in Britain, but... It's also another thing where you can make pedantic arguments that they're not slasher flicks. Yeah. Like, the first quote-unquote slasher flick, you can even credit to, like, Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Because Halloween is in the same vein of, like, Peeping Tom, Psycho, whatever, where they're, like, proto-slashers. They have the same basic core elements. And it's also killer, POV, POV yeah. And they're going through, and it's a series of murders. But with... Friday the 13th, the first one, that's when it's like, okay, this is actually, like, th- how all these slashers later really stole from. Like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, Friday the 13th copied Halloween, but then yeah. every slasher after copied Friday the 13th. Yeah. But, for that, Curry would have to get into a very pedantic film culture argument with some serial killer over the phone. I don't think she would want to do that. But, besides the point. But she lists off, like, 30 fucking movies! That was that's insane to me because like this was in 2011. They were not done making remakes and reboots of movies yet. We had two, count them, two Black Christmas remakes in a 10 year period. Yeah, the fuck. I know. Which leads to Kirby feeling like she won the game. I'm gonna go outside and I'm gonna help Charlie. And Charlie's just like you know, okay, thank you so much. And step step step. step, You finally noticed me after all this time. And now I'm a crazy serial killer, so I can't love you. I gotta step, kill step, you. Step. Exactly. Step, 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 step. And it's just fuck like, you, yeah, like, fuck you, Charlie. <sighs> and then we get to the, the grand reveal, right? Where Jill reveals herself to be the, the killer. They corner Sid. They they show her that... They bring out Trevor. Tied up exactly like they're 
her dad was tied up and, and now they're dre- gonna... and dressed in the same way that her dad was dressed and it's gonna be the thing where they're finally gonna fulfill Stu and billy's plan you know they're gonna frame it all on trevor but then jill doing exactly what bobby was probably actually gonna do and frame Stu. she frames billy not bobby bobby billy whatever mm-hmm. that billy was gonna do and kill and was gonna kill Stu. she kills charlie and she's going to frame Charlie and Trevor as being the psycho killers and they have the films and it's all meta commentary and blah, blah, blah. And you've got, you know, Charlie jumping up and down, hyping himself to get stabbed in the shoulder. And he's like, yeah, like Billy and Stu, like Billy and Stu. And it's just like, dude, you guys are nothing like Billy and Stu. You're, you're playing off of their idea 20 something years ago. And that's that's the thing. OK, OK. They're, they're revealed as the killers, Charlie and Joe. Yeah. I will go on record, their motives are garbage. Charlie has no motive other than he wants to plow Emma Roberts. And he wants to be like Billy and Stu. That's it. To to reiterate, he's doing this because he wants to fuck Jill. His and he wants to have his own movie. Where Randy gets Sid, where the geek gets the girl, Yes. Charlie wants to bang Jill. Yes. I want to make it... A, abundantly clear that that is the basis of his motive we hear you yes jill's motive is she wants to be instagram famous yes how that bad (laughs) i mean that doesn't get more you know mid-2000s than that insta famous and yeah i want to get that girl and i'm kind of crazy and i think i'd be crazy enough to kill for her and i love when jill's explaining it where she's like I want to be like you, you know, except when I'm the survivor girl, I blah, 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 I make the narrative, I make the movies. And Sydney actively looks really confused. She's like, the fuck? What she's is like, going on? She's like, at, in, at least in my movie, like, Billy and Stu kind of made sense. Billy had a motive. Yeah. You're weird. I'm, can mm. I get out of this West? Mm. Am I done? Can we cut the scene? Mm. And it just, But it just keeps going. Yeah. Her speech is like 10 minutes long. Yeah, this monologue does not stop. Oh, God. And and here's the thing. With this climax, because I, I found out, oh, the actual reveal. And the reveal was going to be that Trevor was supposed to be in the Charlie position. And mm-hmm. Charlie was supposed to die when Kirby yeah. and all that stuff. But I guess they changed it for some reason. I don't know why. It might have been a thing where, oh, you know, we don't want to do the repeat where we're going to have... um. Trevor and Billy be the exact same character. Yeah. But they still have Trevor play Billy as the exact same character, except obviously less of a character. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, is there... Maybe they thought it was just too meta, and they're like, we can't go back to the original, so we're gonna kind of give it a spin. Well, that's the other thing, because thinking about it, they had to have done that because the stunt person... Is okay. This is a, again something so nitpicky that it obviously doesn't make it doesn't matter because it generally doesn't matter. But the stunt person is like way bigger than these people could be, yeah. and, they're, and the stunt person is doing things that neither I can not see Charlie nor Jill actively being able to do. Well, I mean that, and you could just tell the height difference. It, it's just this huge thing where oh, here comes Ghostface, and he looks like he's you know two times bigger than Sydney. But then you see Jill and Charlie, and it's like, well, no, they look like smaller high school students. So it's like, how is that? It's working? it's really bad in the in the climax because 
at first I'm like, okay, well, Charlie, you know, guy, whatever. And yeah. it's like, in some of the scenes, you, you don't really see him next to people for scale. And then when he comes up and he kisses Jill, you can tell he's, like, shorter than Emma Roberts. Yeah, so it's like, even if he's in a pair of boots, it's not going to be that much lift. Yeah, and it's, again, I, everybody out there, I understand this is a little nitpicky and pedantic, but it really breaks the immersion. It's not nitpicky because we see Trevor and... Trevor's, you know, bigger than Jill. I think he even makes the comment when he meets Sydney for the first time. He's like, "You're a lot smaller than I imagined." So it's like, okay, seeing the stature of the two of them fighting, okay, Sydney's going to be a lot shorter than Ghostface or Trevor. So, yeah, I think that's where they kind of goofed on it, where Ghostface looks like an adult person in the costume, mm. and then we see Jill and Charlie, and it's just like, you guys are probably five. I think five, five, it's like, four. It's like between the two of them, it's like five, five and like five, eight, respectively. And it's like, yeah, they just don't, one, they just don't look the part. They just don't look imposing in any no. way. Like with Jill holding a knife to Sydney, I'm like, I still think Sydney with a stab wound could probably still like. Take you. Still take you or, or get away. Yeah. And I mean like, yeah, Charlie, sure. I, he's got that crazy factor, but I'm like, no, I don't, I can't see him being able to overpower, overpower people in a way where he'd be able to kill all these people. Because let's be honest, he's doing all the killing. Because we have all the setup where Jill is supposed to be with Kirby or with yeah. Olivia, and then oh, the killings are happening around her because she's making alibis for herself. And I'm like, Did and it's interesting, like uh, when the first two girls die in the beginning of the movie, and everyone's phone is going off in school. And they're talking, like, you know, the teacher's like, all right, I'll take the bait. What's going on? Why is everyone getting messages? Jill's the only one that doesn't get that message. Yeah, because she sent it. Because she sent it. So it's like, okay, so we start to see, you know, little things here and there. But it's like, yeah, I can't see Charlie being strong enough to just throw around Olivia in her room and completely destroy her. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of physicality. Him taking on Sydney. I mean, Sydney gets in some really good licks on that fight. Well, she knocks him out, and then he just pops up and disappears into the yeah. darkness. Yeah, and it's with just like... the police like, not being able to see them, even though they're staring right at him, for God's But sake. we see him at the hospital in the next scene when um, Rebecca gets thrown onto the news van. And, I mean, she kicks him square in the face, and you'd think there'd be a mark, or he would have broken his nose or something. He's got nothing on his yeah, face. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things where it's so immersion-breaking just seeing these two characters be it, because... Like, they just don't match up one with no. the killer. And the other thing is, the motive is just so blah. Like, yeah, Roman's motive in Scream 3 is, you know, so retcon bullshit mm -hmm. that it's like, oh god, just fucking eat me. But at least I could take that as, alright, this is a reasonable motive for a killer to proceed to do his crimes. Yeah. These ones, I don't feel like these are reasonable steps to be taken because scream one mm -hmm. stew or billy billy i remember billy. his name yeah. this time you know billy is on a revenge trip because sydney's mom broke up his parents and he has abandonment issues and blah, blah blah yeah you know all right he kills the woman that broke up his family and then a year later he's like no that's not good enough i'm gonna go on revenge and then he recruits stew because stew is dumb and has peer pressure well, that and, you know, isn't it also the ultimate betrayal to Sydney? It's like, okay, your mom did this to me. I'm going to act completely normal and kill your mother, date you, and then finally 
kill you and let you know before it, you know, hey, this whole time that you thought we were this happy couple, I've been plotting this against you because your mom broke up my family. Exactly. It's like, like how, how has, fucked does that get? Billy has reasonable, reasonable motive to go on this revenge trip. You know, yeah. revenge. Mm-hmm. I can, I can understand his motivations as the story progresses. I'm like, okay, got you. Even in Scream 2, Mickey, just a fucking crazy person, mm-hmm. motive is bullshit, whatever, but Mrs. Loomis, mm-hmm. I can't understand that. Yeah. You killed my son, so I'm going to ruin everything mm-hmm. for you, blah, 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 and mm-hmm. I recruited Mickey, who is the meta slave to yada yada. Yeah. And then it's like, Roman, alright, your mom abandoned me, so I orchestrated her death, and then it kind of went out of hand, and now I've seen you've done you've done nothing but profit off of what I've done to you, mm-hmm. so I will kill you for it you know not only has your mother you know abandoned me but because of her death she has made you greater than i will ever be so yeah okay get it in this fuck both of these people their motives aren't shit no it's not it's not revenge it's not connected to sydney really it's what she symbolizes yeah and i'm like jill you did not need sydney gale and dewey here to to do this like, you could have just orchestrated a serial killing thing, and it could have just been a straight reboot without Sydney, Dewey, and Gale, and just been another meta commentary. Yeah. All you had to do was survive. That's it. She could have just staged, like, Trevor being a. She could have just staged it, and she only had to kill, like, three fucking people Trevor, Charlie, and, you know, Kirby. Yeah, okay, Trevor, Charlie, Kirby, and Olivia. And then just set herself and be like, I don't know what happened. Trevor went wild in the house and just started you know, killing people. But to kick it back to the first movie, they're going to see that his hands have been bound. He's been, you know, he's got tape residue on him. He got shot in the cock. He did. That was like. And then he got shot in the head. Yeah, that, and... that was rough. Okay, okay. Now, now to poke holes in, in Jill's plan. Because how she sets it up is. She shoots Trevor in in the in like the junk, in yeah. the junk and shoots him in the head, kills him. Yeah. Right. And then she stabs Charlie in the heart. Just he, one stab wound, right? Yeah. She you know shoulder me, shoulder me. And she's like, all right. And she stabs him in the heart, and he's like, oh my heart. And then he drops. He's he's gone. Okay. So and then she beats the shit out of herself, and and it stays. Well, she she stabs Sydney. Was it twice? Stabs her in the stomach twice, and and Sydney collapses. You know, goes for dead. And then, then this she, is when we get you know. The scene of all scenes. Jill stabs herself in the shoulder. She grabs Trevor and tears off some of her ha- her own hair and scratches her face to make mm-hmm. lurking defensive wounds. Yep. Throws herself into a, a picture, into a picture, and then through a table, mm-hmm. and then crawls next to Sydney. Right. And then even places her hand the same way that Sydney, you know, fell with hers. The and I'm like, symbolic you gotta be- gesture. I guess you gotta be kidding me. But here's the thing. So how does this, how is her thing going to play out? So she comes in and she's like, yeah, you know, oh, Charlie stabbed me. And then Trevor, you know, I tried to get away and they Mm -hmm. beat me up. And then, oh, I was left for dead. And then Charlie, and then, and then what? Charlie shot Stu in the head in the junk and Trevor stabbed Charlie in the heart. So, okay. So Trevor stabbed Charlie in the heart. And then Charlie stabbed him, shot him in the junk, and then capped him in the head on accident as he was falling to his death? Because that death was pretty instantaneous from what it looked like yeah, on screen. Yeah, I, I have no idea. And I mean, and was it, this before or after they stabbed Sydney twice? Like Exactly. And I mean, even with uh, Trevor's death, he's shot in the head while he's laying on the ground. So it's like, you know, uh, 
when they come and inspect the bodies, they're going to know this is exactly where he died. Unless, you know, uh, Charlie with his knife wound to the heart was able to stagger over, you know, his body on the ground and just put one off in his head. It's just like, it doesn't really make too much sense. Yeah, I mean, it it, it is, I guess, as pointing facts in people's, uh, I guess, even our own pedantic reading of Stu and Billy's plan where it was like, that's not going to work. Yeah. But this is, you know, the pedantic thing of this killing thing doesn't actually work. It's it's one of the things where she put way too much into it. Yes. If it, she made it something simple where it's like, oh, you know, Charlie shot Trevor in the, in the chest like a few times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Charlie has a couple of superficial ones. If she stabbed him like Billy stabbed Stu, mm-hmm. that would have worked, you know? He just he just bled out, right? Yeah. Could have. But, no, she was very theatrical. And, I mean, we thought Scream 2 with them on the stage was theatrical. I mean, this was its own Broadway show, theatric. It was. It was something. But that's not where the movie ends. No, it's not, because we still have one more fight scene, because if you think this house party scene is not enough of a fight, it moves on to the hospital. Okay, the hospital sucks, right? Can we can you, can you agree on that? It's also a horror movie hospital where there's nobody working. Yes, yes. And it's badly lit. Yes. It's like, I've been in hospitals at night, it's never that dark. And there's always people. Yeah, it, there's, there's always people always walking people. around, nurses, doctors. And Woodsboro isn't like, oh, it's a small country, country town. I'm like, no, like, we see their downtown. There's a bunch of fucking people. Yeah. There's how, there's how many reporters just lined up outside the hospital doing, doing you know, interviews with Dewey and shit. Like, it's a pretty decent sized town. Yeah. There's more than one nurse on duty. Yeah. And also, they have their own private... Hospital rooms. Hospital rooms, you know, where there's no light, it's dimly lit, it's all lit super creepy. Whatever, whatever. You know, Dewey's having his, um, kind of like an interview with, uh, with Jill, where he's kind of getting her story from her, and she's got, you know, the fake tears in her eyes, and she's like, yeah, you know, I'd love to write a story about this someday with Gail and our matching wounds. And I'm just like, well, how would she know that? Already, already gave herself away. Yeah, right? and then it's like Dewey. He's just like, oh, that's very sweet. I think the two of you should Dewey write a book. And he yes, needs paint chips. So he goes and he relays the story to Gail, and Gail's the one where it's like, how does she know that I got stabbed and where I got stabbed? And then Dewey's like, oh my god, and goes to save Sid. I, yeah, and and Jill's all okay. So Jill beat the shit out of herself, right? Stabbed herself yeah. in, the, in the stabbed herself in the shoulder. You know, I mean, I will say, the wall. I will say, good acting on the stabbing of the shoulder when she jumps into the wall with the blade. I mean, the way she portrays it, it it, 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 it looks good. like yeah, that hurt. It was a, it was a good effect, and she did play it well. But here's the thing: she comes in. Sydney just got out of surgery. Yeah, she's doped up or whatever. And but Jill's throwing her ass around. Well, also Dewey's the one that tells Jill. You know, it's kind of touch and go, but Sydney might make it. She's okay. And then Jill's just like. Oh fuck! I thought I killed her at the house, and no, she's here, and and, and she's like, gonna tell everybody that I'm the the killer. And it's like Jill now has to kill Sydney, but now she does it. Then there's no way she can say Trevor and mm-hmm. Charlie did it. She has to implicate herself and become and become the killer, right? Yeah. And they go in. They have this final climactic fight scene with Sydney, but Dewey comes in at just the right time, distracts Jill. Jill gets the gun, then. 
Deputy Judy and Gail come in. It becomes this whole thing. Well, you're also forgetting Jill beats the shit out of Dewey with a bedpan. Yes. Yes. And you would think with that, the broken glass, because uh, she sends Sydney flying into a medicine cabinet. No one comes running. No one hears the gas or the gas, sorry, the glass breaking or the bedpan, the steel bedpan. And Dewey is running, yelling into yeah. his into his radio. Yeah. It's like nobody is coming to help. The hospitals have security guards, right? They should. I mean, it might they might just be like on the ground floor, but just if, just not in horror movies, right? Yeah. I mean, there should be a nurse at the station that's able to call down and say, "Hey, we need help on this floor," but that would require having a nurse on that floor because it looks like they're just the only ones there spending the night. Could you imagine, you know, Sydney rolls in and they're just like, "All right, we need to get her into an emergency ward." Oh wait, wait a minute. Put her in the horror movie ward. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what's what's the horror movie board? Oh, it's really badly lit. There's no one there. Also, we have a bunch of windows that don't close. And uh, it blows the curtain spookily, so it always looks like there's somebody entering the room. Oh, uh, okay. Is that the, that's the Michael Myers wing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right after the Texas one. Yeah. Like, the fuck? Yeah, and then we have Gail come because she now knows that Sydney's in trouble. And, this is, and Gail's been, like, laid up for the entire, like, climax of the movie with yeah. a stab wound to the shoulder, right? Yeah. Which... By the way, Jill stabbed in the shoulder, Gail stabbed in the shoulder, mm-hmm. and Gail's like, I'm laid up, man, I'm fucked. And Jill's like, I mean, I did also throw myself through through a window and a, and a table and, you know, really went at myself. But you know what? I got this. I'm going to brush this off and go and, uh, and bench Sid like the ultimate warrior and throw her through some I shit. mean, she's also like 16, 17, so she's got, you know, all that energy. That, that youth. Like that you. it's the youth yeah now you know you and i we go grocery shopping and it's like my god i gotta lay down for like a couple of days i'm done i'm just i'm tired it's over i bring the cat food in and it's like that that threw my back out it's done yeah but this happens and you know deputy judy comes in she gets shot she's down from the counter she, like, oh my god she takes the bullet for gail she protects her and throws her you know over the side of the bed and then we have you know sydney in the background turning on the it's, what is it, defibrillator? Defibrillator, and my god, when Jill is like, any last words, Gail? And Gail's like, I have one. Clear. clear. And Sydney's like, and Jill's like, clear? And Sydney's like, clear, and hits her with the defibrillator, and I... I fucking loved it. I, I died of cringe. It hurt. I loved it. Oh I was like, god. it's I was so like, cheesy. get her. It was, that, it was a good amount of cheese for me. Okay, okay. I guess I won't say cringe, but that right there was that... That's when I this movie was full self aware cheese. That's yeah. when this. That's when I was like, this movie's a comedy. That's all this is now. This is a comedy. This is a spoof. This is the scary movie of the Scream series. I thought that was three. No, it is four. <laughs> but yeah, and then so. you know we get you know Sydney standing above her and she's like, one rule, Jill, don't fuck with the originals. Like that's right, you don't mess with Sydney Prescott. And that and that's the whole meta commentary of the film where. You can make the reboots, you can make the remakes, but they just don't stand up to the original because exactly. the original had magic and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but then the whole movie just kind of bleh. Like the movie, like it finally hits the credits and I have this feeling of bleh. Like I, I enjoyed it as like a, as like a dumb slasher, you know, turn my head off and just like ride the ride. And then the climax happens and I'm like, well, that pulls me out of the narrative. And then we're at the hospital and the hospital is like bleh. You just want to do that. I mean, look, I understand this. You really enjoy this movie. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I'll I'll say it too. It is a fun movie, but you gotta you gotta see where I'm coming from here. Like the climax at the party, 
with the killer reveal mm-hmm. in the hospital just really makes the rest of the movie feel so weird, right? Because they feel so mishmashed with everything else in the film. A little bit, but I like the twist. I like that they kind of made it modern day where the killing isn't because, you know, your mom did something to my family or to me or to this. It's, I basically want to be insta-famous. And it's kind of like, it goes with the time. And it's like, yeah, I could totally see someone being crazy enough where they're going to do something like this so they have the spotlight and after the hospital scene where they go back to the front of the hospital and it's all the newscasters getting ready for like the early morning broadcast and they're talking about you know we're going to be live with Jill Roberts you know the sole survivor of this the hero of this and then it's just like okay that's going to turn into its own story when they find out no Jill was really the villain all along that would have been interesting to see well that's Gail's new book exactly Uh, and and yeah, so Scream Four. Your your thoughts on this? Because we we already probably made it abundantly clear you are favoring on on good, very good of yeah. the series. Yeah, I really like this movie. Um, wasn't too crazy about the killers, but I like that we basically go back home. It's meta. It's a wild ride. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't stop. It just you know full momentum the entire time. Uh, our characters make it through once again. It's just an interesting dynamic to see. And it also makes it special because this is Wes Craven's last movie. Yeah. I mean, I will say this movie is, it's not great. It's good. And then we get the ending and then it's fine. Yeah. But I would say as Wes Craven's final entry into the Scream series and his final entry is into filmmaking. I would say this is definitely in in like the the good category of his career. He did not go out with a bad movie. No, I and can definitely say that. And I was kind of worried about what you would think about this movie, and I'm surprised you think it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things where the ending for me just falls so flat. Yeah. But everything else around it, it it's always nice to see you know Sydney Gale Dewey mm-hmm. show up, and you know. Kevin Williamson came back to write, and it has that same meta 90s era quality to it. Yeah. I'm like, okay. It has some good throwbacks. There are comedy bits, you know. Yeah, some of the kills fall super flat and are dumb, but some of them, like the Olivia one, yeah. really harken back. I think Kirby actually is a very good and entertaining character. She feels the most like a Scream character. We also don't see her die, so maybe she'll be back for Scream 5. Again, to, to reiterate on the... In- Fuck this meta bullshit. No. It's not. He, she is not Stu. Stop it. Well, she's not Stu, but I'm just saying. She could come back. We'll see. But that's the thing. Like, the movie overall, I can say is a good movie. If I had to rank it with the with the ones we've seen so far. Well, we can't rank it yet. We're going to do that on the next episode. Oh, on the final episode of the Scream Retro. That's right. Because next episode is going to be Scream 5. Which we are seeing in two days at the time of this recording. Yes, we are. And, um, okay. I don't want you to go into your your weird conspiracy theories. Because there's a lot and we don't have a lot of time. Oh, but it's okay when you do it. Well, yeah, because mine are entertaining. Uh Uh-huh. But expectations for the new film? Very high. Very high? Very high. The reviews are coming in and they're very good. So... I'm hoping that this is going to be, you know, knock it out of the ballpark. Okay. I 
I would hope for the best, but I, I'm one of those guys, hope for the best, expect the worst. Yeah. So, I'll say this is probably, I don't think I'm going to enjoy this as much as, say, like, Spider-Man or something. Well, obviously, it's two separate movies. Yeah, I understand that, but I'm like, as a movie going to experience. But I think, you know what, I think it's definitely going to be better than Scream 3. I think it'll probably be, probably better than Scream, like, 2. I, mm. I would say Scream 5 at least will look looks like a pretty good movie from what I've seen yeah. of it. And I mean, with this movie, we go home and it seems like we're going back to Woodsboro again. Um, also, I mean, uh, I'm saying it right now, uh, Gail and Dewey die in this. I don't uh, know. Okay, how about how about this? For Scream 5, bet, right now, on live on air, or yes, okay. not live, but recorded on recorded air. Recorded on air, yes. So, out of the three leads... Sydney Gale, Dewey, do you think any of them die in this movie? I think, do I think they're going to die, or if one dies, who would it be? Okay, okay. Do you think they're going to die? Because I think they're going to die. And I, I know I, who, and I think I feel strongest out of the one of them, which is going to die. Okay, I think maybe one of them might die, and I have a feeling who it might be. Alright, I'm saying Gale Weathers is going to be dead in Scream 5. I'm saying Dewey. <sighs> Poor Dewey. I don't want him to, I don't want Gale to, I don't want Sydney to, but if one did, I would think that it might be Dewey. But we shall see. We shall. Next week on the Film Club. That's right. And if you want to follow us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on uh, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Yeah, you can go to our YouTube channel, In The Frame, where you can find this podcast. And uh, yeah, that's our YouTube channel, In The Frame. Subscribe, leave comments, uh, do stuff. It's really nice. We have a lot of content on there. Listen, send me presents. Don't send him presents. But if you want to follow us on social media, we're on Instagram and Facebook at the Film Club Podcast. And with that, see you next week at the Film Club. Peace.